Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy. Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the women's coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, to turn your pain into purpose and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life's challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable bringing you a real, honest and unfiltered view. I don't really want to go back to work yet, but financially I have to. I won't be working full time, I'll be working four days a week. If I put George into childcare for five days a week, I'd be £20 worse off a month working five days full time and having him in five days of childcare, which is just crazy. Childcare is insanely expensive. everyone and welcome back to the Unfiltered Life podcast. Today's guest has been highly requested and she doesn't even know this yet. I want to welcome the gorgeous Sean, also known as Home with Sean on YouTube and Instagram. She's a first time mama making her way through the motherhood online world. In this chat we have an open and honest conversation about motherhood and the realities of being a first time mum with a partner in the military. We also dive in deep discussing how to juggle going back to work, childcare costs, her best baby tips and tricks, plus money hacks for new mums. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you. Yeah, you've been highly requested. So every time I've put an Instagram story up, I've always had your name that's come in. Like, oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. They're like... And actually, when I already tagged you the other day, I had quite a few DMs going, oh, I'm so glad that you've got Sean on. So, you know, you've been highly requested on here. So I hope that... Oh, wow. <laughs> no pressure then. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start off with kind of like, you share a lot of your life online. And it's no secret that your partner's in the military, which you've spoken about like on your YouTube channel. You've kind of mentioned it on your Instagram as well. But we never see him. So he's like this kind of mystery man. We always just see Sean and George. And for anyone listening, George is Sean's baby. He's now seven months. Is that right? Yeah, turning eight months soon. But yeah, seven months old. Yeah. So this mystery man um, who's in the military, (laughs) tell us more about him and what it's like having a baby with a partner who's in the army. So yeah, Ash, my partner, is in the military and he's quite a private person and quite security conscious. So that's why he's just not on social media generally. Um, He's not on mine. He's barely on his. So yeah, it's just not something for him, I don't think. He doesn't have a problem with me being online. He knows that I'm an extrovert and like to talk 
random things to random people but um (laughs) but yeah he's just not one to to share that kind of stuff online which is totally his choice and we have our boundaries and things as to things that I will share and won't share but yeah having a baby with someone in the military is different to just being a partner of someone in the military it's a different I think struggle because it's always going to be hard but once you realize oh they're gonna you know you're baby might be a toddler or a five-year-old and their dad might go away and they're going to be aware of that and that's something that I I struggle with a little bit I'm not gonna lie at the moment it's fine he doesn't know anything but um yeah it might be a bit harder when he gets a little bit older yeah and I mean how long has Ash been in the military so how long have you been doing this for so we we met when we both worked at um Weatherspoons together and then (laughs) We'd only been together for about four months and then he went to join the army. And I thought, okay, well, we'll we'll see how it goes. It probably won't go anywhere because he's going away and, you know, long distance relationship, etc. But we saw how it went. And now fast forward five years, five and a half years, and we're here and we have a baby together and, and it worked. So yeah, that part of it is crazy. But yeah, so he's been in the army for about five and a half years, I think. Um, and it's pretty much been, our relationship has always been that. So it's all I've ever known. And how have you found that just because obviously someone who I mean funnily enough Matt used to be in the army so I haven't experienced it being with him but I understand you know the whole going away and him not being around and how that puts pressure on relationships as well so like how have you kind of dealt with that because obviously you've succeeded you know you've got babies together and you've been together five and a half years so I would say before George before we had um our baby we it was just us it just worked and although it was hard right at the beginning because I'd never ever experienced having a boyfriend that was you know not there and I couldn't even talk to for most of the week eventually it just became our normal and it just worked because he would go away I would have my time I'd focus on my stuff and he would come back and we would appreciate our time together so much more and that was perfect I would say probably since George my mindset has shifted slightly to focus on him and I I don't I am okay with it for me but I don't know if I'm okay with it for him if that makes sense it's a different it's a completely different like game now he's involved it's 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 a hard one because when you speak about someone in the army obviously there is uh, things that come with it um, like either mental health problems with you know whoever goes into the army may come out with kind of mental health issues that they might have to deal with because of the things that they've seen and done and then there's also the element of you know worrying that they will never come back so I hope you don't mind me saying Sean but is this something that you worry about and is this something that comes up for George as well honestly yeah of course it's something that you think about it's it's always going to be in terms of how I deal with that I would probably just say I know that it's the thing that Ash loves doing it's his life and it's what gives him that fire in his belly that I love about him so it gives him his purpose in life. So I'm, if he was unhappy and doing this, I'd say, what the hell are you doing? This is rubbish. But it's the only thing that he's ever wanted to do. And I owe it to him to at least give him that one thing in his life that he wants. But yeah, I think mindset is everything, especially for military wives. And the thing is, although I'm not a wife myself, but that's like the term that everyone uses. We've also got a massive community and everywhere you're based, you're surrounded by people that are going through the exact same thing. So 
and whether they're going on deployment or whether they're here, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, families and wives that are going through the exact same thing in the same place that you are at the same time you are, it's a massive comfort, I have to say. And it is just something that you try not to think about. Unfortunately, it's it's not the most healthy thing to not think about these things, but I think sometimes it's all you can do. And like, what would you say has been like kind of the biggest struggle that you've probably had to overcome so far? I would definitely say being away from friends, my best friends and family, especially during the pandemic and everything. I mean, I've got friends and family that haven't seen George since he was three weeks old, which is just so sad. And obviously, because we had to move away uh, for a posting that Ash got. So yeah, it's been it's been hard. I think it put, this whole pandemic has put perspective on things that are important to me and being close to those that I love is definitely something I didn't think was that important because I'm quite independent I can FaceTime I can go and visit but obviously when you can't go and visit it's like wow I really want to these are the people I love and I need them close to me for my own sanity yeah and you you mentioned that you kind of move around with Ash is that quite consistent or irregular how does that work I mean it depends it completely depends on everyone's sort of career and everything like that but generally every two to three years is when we can expect to move depending on like promotions and all that kind of stuff basically if you get promoted you move (laughs) which is good but bad it's like I want him to get promoted but then I'm like what if I like where I live (laughs) but but yeah so yeah luckily I mean he's only been in for about five and a half years so we moved to his first posting from Essex. We both lived in Essex and he moved. He got posted somewhere in Hampshire. So we moved there. We bought a house there. Fantastic. You know, there's nothing that's happening right now where British soldiers, British um, army soldiers are going away where they're in harm's way a significant amount. I mean, I could be wrong with that, but not as far as I'm aware. That's not to say that that's always going to be the case, obviously. And even when it comes to humanitarian things that they go off and do, there's always that risk. I feel like it's just one of the things you just can't think about too much. Otherwise, you will drive yourself insane. Um, And I definitely think it's about that kind of mindset. If this is the life that you've chosen or your partner's chosen or whoever, you have to deal with it somehow. And my way, I have to say, is to just try and block it out for as long as I possibly can. But it's great that we've got such a... uh, Anywhere you go, anywhere you're posted, you have such a massive community of women and families around you that are going through the same thing. So if you ever do need to talk to someone, the people that will understand the most are right on your doorstep, which I just think that... I think it's the best thing, is to just talk about it if you have had enough. (laughs) I think, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Is that how you kind of deal with the fears when they come up or like the anxiety around it? Yeah, I would say I don't have any magic wand. I definitely don't have any magic tips for anyone, any military wives that are listening. But using that community that you have around you, um, you know, military wives sometimes get the bad rap of being sort of bitchy and like, you know, that kind of thing. But and don't get me wrong, that can be true sometimes. But at least we have that thing all in common where we've all had that those thoughts we've all had those dark thoughts and the only people that can really truly relate are each other um and I think that can't be taken for granted that community and you know things like Facebook groups and stuff you can always connect with people and I think it's just really important to take advantage of that when you have to 
That's really interesting you say that actually because it kind of relates to motherhood in the same sense that you know we're all in the same boat we're kind of you know this big community and there's almost a mum language that we use and of course like before you become a mum you don't realise do you but something I wanted to talk about and something that we've both experienced online is the mum judgment and you just mentioned kind of like the bitchiness that there can be in kind of the military wives community, which is a shame because at the end of the day, we're all kind of going through a really kind of tough time at times, aren't you? And I guess in the same likelihood, it's the same in motherhood, but why do women kind of have so much judgment around like what you're doing and what how you're caring for your baby or how you're feeding your baby or what you're doing and how you're weaning your baby like Sean I know you've experienced this and I want to yeah wanna... I, I totally <laughs> I totally agree I honestly I don't know what it is about a group of women wherever scenario you're in even if you're in you know the office and you know you're just doing a normal nine-to-five job and someone wears a dress that's slightly unflattering or you don't you know there's always there and I just think what is it with women and groups of women specifically um that brings that out in people. Um, I, tr- I try not to be that kind of a person. And I, I know for a fact that you don't either. It's just, I don't think anyone is like that as a person, but for some reason there's this whole mob mentality. And I think, like you said, we've both experienced that online with, you know, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding or and and each one apparently is wrong. So it's like, right, well, which one do you want me to do? None? Okay, fine. You know. You really can't sometimes. And I just, it is such a shame. Why do we have to tear each other down when we're all just trying to survive? We're all just trying to do our best. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. And it it is a shame. And especially during the first early months, like how hard those kind of few months are. Like, I just couldn't believe how much judgment there is around kind of bottle or breastfeeding and whatever. That's the big one, isn't it? Mm. It's the big one. Why? Why? Why do people get... And even I actually looked back on a couple of my older videos. So I say older videos from when George was a newborn, basically. And I could... In those first few months of me recording, anything I mentioned about George, I would caveat with this, 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 this. I'd be so worried about what people were going to say in the comments that I wasn't being genuine. I wasn't being myself as much as I am now because I don't care. I don't care anymore what people have to say. If they have to say something, then fine. But I think people pick up on if you're insecure about something, 100%, and then that's when they attack you even more. So maybe that I was feeding that in some way, but, but I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is. And I just... At the time that someone's the most vulnerable, let's face it, especially myself, I was definitely at my most vulnerable those first three months or four months after having George and that's the time that I felt the the most sort of attacked for whatever it was that I was doing um and now I'm much more confident whether it's because I'm much more confident in myself and me as a mother that I don't I just brush off comments or I'm not being attacked as much I don't know what it is um but it is just such a shame. I just don't know why people feel that they need to do that. Yeah. Or why would they want to do that? Yeah. I actually don't think it comes from necessarily them wanting to do that. They just have such strong opinions about the way that you either should care for your child, feed your child, that it just comes off in a way that they don't say in 
in the right way and it can be really insensitive at times because it actually there's quite a lot of dms that I read and I think do you know what I don't think they're meant to say it this way I just think they they're very opinionated and they want you to know what they think so it just comes off that way I mean there is a difference and there's a very fine line between you know being informative and giving advice or just being completely judgmental and putting your opinion on somebody else and I think that's where it, it it kind of like there's this real fine line that people don't actually know and especially within the mum community I don't know about you Sean like I found recently because you know I I know what it's like being there and like you said the most vulnerable time is you know after you've given birth and the first few months are really hardcore and hard on our mental health Um, and I guess I've tried to be quite polite I've tried to smile and this is just a caveat not with a mask on (laughs) and tried to like engage with mums but actually I'm getting like not a lot back and I went to my first baby sensory class today and I just felt like it was really clicky and I didn't feel very invited or I didn't feel like it was very community I didn't feel like it was very friendly so it was quite an interesting experience post lockdown I don't know if you've come up against this or had the same experience yeah so I, I, I think it's weird isn't it going into the world with your baby after lockdown having been in your house basically with them for six months or so and then finally actually living your life as you would have done this time two years ago for example if you'd had a baby then it's like another whole different challenge that we've got to to face to starting to be like a mum in the real world I have to say I'm I'm really lucky with classes and groups I've gone to because of where I live at the moment, it being a very, a largely military community, a lot of the mums are new mums to the area as well. So there's, there's less clickiness. I think there is still some, but I think if I were, for example, in my previous area and had gone in cold, as it were, I think there would have been a bit of that. It's strange, isn't it? What is it with us women? I don't know. (laughs) We're just hard work, very complex. (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, speaking about like kind of the community that you're in, um, how are you feeling about kind of having to move around, especially with having a little one now? Because you, you're probably thinking forward with schools and, you know, take it. How, how do you feel about that? Where, where's your thoughts and head at? I mean, I don't like it. I don't I don't think it's the lifestyle that I would. I, I mean, I definitely would choose it. I don't I don't think we are thinking this is going to be the life for a long time it will be our life until George is at school age probably five six maybe um max I think I I don't know if I don't know if Ash would agree with that but I think probably that's that's what we're thinking because when he gets to that age you know he will be in school and we'll probably be thinking about maybe having a second and be actually looking at where do we want to settle in the country and actually choose where we live I cannot tell you how excited I am to choose where we settle Uh, like that is just so exciting to me Um, and like I said before about I miss my friends and my family and it's so important to me to be for them to be accessible to me Um, and I've I've got my best friends I've known since I was well my oldest friend I've known since I was two years old Oh, my, you know, my best friend I've known since we were 11, we've gone through, through so much together that 
they are my friend. Like I will make friends in life, of course I will, but they are my family. Like I love them deeply and I want to be as close as possible to them. Like I said, I've got this community where where we are at the moment, but these are people I've only just met and there's only so much you can connect over a chat about, you know, formula or whatever it is that you're chatting about. I think my nearest and dearest are unfortunately far away from me at the moment and I, I can't wait to just be with them and near them and know, be somewhere that we know. Um, so yeah, I can't wait for that day whenever that comes. Oh, so exciting. I mean, you chose to formula feed and I feel like it's such a taboo topic online. Um, and, you know, of course there's guidelines and there's guidance on, you know, healthcare websites on what how to feed your baby and what is best. However, like you chose to formula feed and I feel like let's just talk about it honestly openly because it's something that I feel like I never hear people talking about and it's a choice at the end of the day it's a choice it's your choice that you made um you know I had to combi feed from the get-go um for my own reasons and for my own booby reasons you know I wasn't producing the right amount of milk and he wasn't latching and you know so combi feeding was our way forward so for you Sean just tell us like what what made you choose to formula feed like just want like kind of an openness an honest conversation about it really yeah, I, I totally agree with you that, that that people just don't talk about it because, and I don't massively talk about it. I talk about it a bit on Instagram, but I I thought in my in myself, I thought, oh, I'll do a whole video. There was nothing on YouTube when I was looking how to make baby formula safely and, you know, best formulas. There's nothing. So I thought, oh, I'll do something like that. That'll be helpful to people. But then the backlash starts and the, the comments start and the abuse starts, essentially. Like you get, you know, some, some harsh comments. And, and I just thought, I can't be bothered for that. I don't want that side of it. So I shied away from it. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of formula feeding mums. Um, but like, like I said, I chose to formula feed from the get go. And I was set in that pretty much from the beginning of my pregnancy. Um, and I don't know really why. I think I've had my three best friends that I've mentioned a few times on this um, on this podcast already. One exclusively breastfeed, breastfed until her baby was eighteen months. One combi fed, um, her, both of her boys, and one only bottle fed. And I spoke to them all at length, and I was like, right, I've got a great um, pool of like information here. I'm going to use it. And every single one of their experiences sounded amazing. Every single one. So I just thought, is there a right or wrong? There really, there can't be. It's as long as they're, you know, happy, healthy, who cares? So I chose to formula feed because I hated pregnancy. I can't lie. I did not enjoy my pregnancy at all. And I wanted to start to get my body back. And I don't know whether that seem, seems a selfish thing to say. I don't really know. I, 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 I don't think it is, but I feel like other people might see it that way. So I feel like I've got to say it. But actually, who cares? It's my my choice, like you said. Um, and George literally doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's always fed really well. He's always, you know, drank all of his formula. He's thriving. He's eating really well. I think it should be just as celebrated as breastfeeding. I don't, I don't think it's as hard. Although you have got to sterilise in the middle of the night, which yeah that's not necessarily the the most fun thing to do in the middle of the night but 
I, I, it just worked for us. I kind of, I felt like it helped with George's sleep as well. I could be attaching that and that's nothing to do with it, but I have heard from sort of previous experience from other people as well that it, it helps them sort of to get sleeping through the night a little bit quicker. So I thought, wow, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I just, it just has worked for us. And that's all I can say, really. Like you said, it's everyone's choice if you want to breastfeed. I have to say, I don't know if I've ever said this online before, but I did have the urge to breastfeed the first couple of weeks after giving birth. I was like, right, well, I've, I've clearly got the supply. They were huge (laughs) they went humongous and and it was there was definitely some sort of hormone in me that was saying right you need to give your baby some food from your boobs like that was definitely in me so it is a natural thing obviously I wanted them to go I wanted the engorgement to go down I wanted to stop you know having milk squirt out of me in the shower I just wanted it gone and eventually it did and I kind of missed it at the first couple of weeks after it stopped but now, um, now I forget about it and I'm actually quite happy that I didn't didn't breastfeed. But like you said, it's everyone's choice. I mean, do you miss, did you miss the boobs? I did. I was like, come back, come back. <laughs> the, the boobs three days postpartum were amazing. I mean, sore, very sore, very painful, but amazing to look at. I know. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've had a boob job. <laughs> I know. And I mean, my boobs looked great when I was breastfeeding. I actually really liked the way they looked. And then obviously they they go back. <laughs> they go back down. Um, you mentioned something about there about, you know, you wanted your body back. It's quite interesting because it's pushed on you that if you breastfeed, you'll get your body back quicker. And it's really interesting. I, I don't know if this is scientific I don't know if it's actually like look we could be cancelled for even saying this um but I think it needs to be spoken about because I felt like I couldn't actually rest enough to get my body back because I was so exhausted from breastfeeding because you are on demand and it is constant and look I had a love-hate relationship with breastfeeding because I loved it because I loved the like feeling of feeding my baby there was definitely something in it and but then there was part of me that was like oh my god I'm literally a slave like I'm just a slave and and I feel like I'm constantly having just to get up just to I couldn't like recover properly so it's interesting there's this whole you know breastfeeding you'll get your body back quicker and you'll you'll lose weight quicker and I've got to say like that was one of the things to keep me going at one point because I was like okay I'll just keep doing this but at the same time I'm like but that kind of caveats the way that you're actually you know meant to get your body back because you're also meant to be quite healthy and rested and well so I don't know it's just it's a it's a strange one isn't there um I don't think it's selfish to say I think it's actually honest um and I think there'll be loads of women that will also say the same thing and agree with you I think that's something I would say to my friends and I wouldn't necessarily say it online basically um and I think that's the brilliant thing about this podcast is because I'm chatting to you I don't feel like other people are going to hear it although I know they will it's um (laughs) yeah it's just I feel a bit more comfortable just to talk about just the truth like you said like you're chatting to a friend the truth and yeah yeah 
because I feel like there's so many things like this that actually we all think, but we just don't say. I mean, I, I say all, that's not true. Well, not all of us think the same, but a lot of us will be thinking it, but be, be too afraid to actually say it in fear of the judgment. A backlash, yeah. Yeah. So those were the kind of reasons behind you kind of formula feeding. What about kind of like, you, you mentioned about pregnancy and how you hated it. Why, why did you hate it? I think it's hard for me to... Looking back, I basically have forgotten. I've pushed it out of my memory that I hated it so much, but I know that I hated it. And and I think probably there was a... You know, I didn't like the, phys- like the first trimester slash second trimester. I was so sick every single day, like really physically sick at least six or seven times a day. I wouldn't you know, couldn't keep any food down or anything. Like, that part of the pregnancy was awful. Probably, like, it was definitely the worst part of the pregnancy. But then Ash went away on deployment and I had six months of, well, I think it was five months of him not being here. And then I was pregnant and going through things. And I think those two, the reasons that I hated pregnancy might, they might have been related as, you know, Ash wasn't here. I was going through on my own. A pandemic kicked off and I was having all these physical changes. I think all of that wrapped into one is probably why I hated my pregnancy. And that's not to say that I'll hate the next pregnancy or anyone else will hate their pregnancy. But I, I have to be honest and I, I just, I hated it. I really did. And I'm saying the word hate a lot. I know that. I know that you're not <laughs> supposed to hate that. But I loved feeling him kick. I loved it. That was the only thing that I loved. Everything else can can get in the bin, to be honest. So what's the reason behind having another one? So I, funny enough, I only ever wanted one baby. I only ever, I'm an only child. I thought, that's fine. I was always fine. That's interesting. I'm an only child. Ash is one of four, well, one of six, actually, from a separate marriage. So yeah. Wow. He's, yeah, from a bigger family. So he was always like, I want at least two. And I was like, mm, let's just have one and then see. But since having George, I'm like, I want to give him a sibling. That's the only re- I don't want to have another baby. I don't want to have another newborn particularly, although it would be lovely because newborn cuddles. But I just, now I have George, I want to give him that gift of a sibling, something that I never had as a as a kid. Um, and yeah. I, I think I was lonely a bit as a kid sometimes. I It forced me to make friends, I think, which is potentially why I'm quite outgoing. Well, I try to be. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not. It kind of forces you to have that. You have to talk to people, otherwise you're literally going to be sat there and, you know, inside on your own sort of thing. Yeah. It's quite interesting. I mean, obviously you know about my labour and how traumatic it was and I had postnatal depression afterwards. And, you know, to go back there again would... I, I couldn't do it. But interestingly, I have always... You know, I'd really like Leo to have a sibling. So similar to you... I, I want to give him a brother or sister, but then equally it like petrifies me to do it all over again. And part of me goes, right, shall I just do it? Get it out, all out of the way, all at the same time, do all of the nappy stage at the same time. So don't have to come back to it in four years. <laughs> and then part of me is like, I can't do it all over again. And I don't want my mental health to go back there again. Do you ever get those thoughts or... Did you struggle with your mental health after birth? Definitely. I think, I think to be honest, when I think about my pregnancy and then I think about birth and then I think about mental health repercussions, it's a lot. And I, it's a big decision to have to go back there, like you said. Like, it is scary. And, and I, I feel like a lot of that, a lot of the, the bad stuff, I force myself to forget 
to then think that I want to do it again. Why on earth would I want to go through labour again? I don't know. But it's the the end game sort of thing. That's what I've I've got my sort of 2.5 family in my head that I'm just like, oh, that would be so lovely. But and I'm I'll just take all the repercussions along the way sort of thing. Um, But but yeah, with mental, I mean, I definitely struggled. I definitely struggled. I think anyone would be lying if they said they haven't struggled in the past year with their mental health especially if you've had a baby especially if you know you've had to up and move I've had to up and move from where I was settled to a completely new area where we don't know anyone I can't go and explore the area or meet anyone because one I'm on maternity leave and I'm not back at work yet and two we weren't allowed anywhere other than Tesco one person in Tesco um you know it was hard I mean still is hard it but for me, with the mental health side of things, um, you know, some days I'd be trying to squeeze back into my size eight trousers and, you know, crying in the mirror and just screaming and just thinking, what the actual hell? I'm, you know, I hate myself. And then something shifted in my mindset. And I don't know, I don't know how that happened or what happened. I just went out to the shops and bought some size 12s and I felt fantastic. And it was just like, I just accepted that actually I'm not that anymore, so I'm this, and I'm I'm still great. Uh, and, and I don't know, it just, that one thing, that buying that new pair of trousers or whatever, massively changed my mindset. And now I'm like, right, okay, this is me, and I'm great, who cares? So I'm, I'm trying to also sort of show that a bit on my social media a little bit more. I was quite quiet about it when I was going through it, because I didn't, I didn't think it was well, it's not lighthearted, it's not fun, it's not entertainment, why would anyone want to see that? But actually, I've realised that now I'm now I'm through it and I can tell the story a little bit, people might relate to that and probably do relate to that. And actually, any time I post something that's really raw and true, people are like, wow, I'm so, I needed that today. And I'm like, oh, I love it when I hear that. I love that because if I'd have seen that when I was going through it, maybe I wouldn't have gone through it as badly. Um, so... So yeah, I try and sort of show that side of things a little bit more now that uh, hopefully will just help someone, anyone, just to go and buy them size 12s or size 14s or whatever it is. And that's it, isn't it? Especially... Accept yourself, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And post-lockdown, I think a lot of us will probably be trying to squeeze back into the the sizes we were before or, you know, the sizes we were before we had a baby, but... Like I actually did, like you, I chucked away, well, I didn't chuck it away, I gave it to charity, Um, but I chucked all the things that didn't fit me anymore and instead of trying to like fantasise about getting back into them and being like, right, that's my goal, which I would have done previously, I just decided to buy stuff that I felt good in. And I think that's what you just said there is a huge tip to any woman that is struggling with that, whether you've had a baby or not. Like, I think just stop trying to fit into them and actually buy for your shape and your size. And then you'll feel good with what you're wearing rather than putting something on and and feeling really shit about it. Yeah. At the end of the day, our clothes are made to fit us. We're not made to fit into our clothes. So it's a piece of clothing with a number on it. Who cares? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, who actually cares? I was so obsessed with that number. Why? It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And I think once your mindset changes from focusing so much on the number to then just being like, well, it's me. It's just me. Who cares? That is so powerful and it's so liberating, honestly. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I've actually never heard anyone speak about the numbers in the way that you've just spoken about it. Never. Really? Um, and it's so true not to put so, yeah, not to put so much emphasis on the number that you are. But we do because yeah. we've been yeah. told to. And also it's because we've been conditioned to think because size eight's the skinny and that's like put on a pedestal, isn't it's it? Small, medium, large. If you're large, what? why is that a thing? <laughs> Just, it should just be the inches around your waist, exact inches, because that's what fits, and then that's it. It doesn't have to be small, medium, large. It's just ridiculous. But so yeah. I've never ever thought about it this way before until until really recently. So it is hard. It is really hard. But yeah. So you changed your mindset. That's kind of like how you got over the kind of changes in your body. Is that what? Yeah, you'd say? yeah. I would yeah. I would definitely say that. And actually, I would say the the real reason that I changed my mindset is unfollowing accounts on Instagram that made me feel shit about myself or made me feel bad about myself because why am I trying to like see that it's aesthetically pleasing great well I look like shit so I feel like shit but actually then I started following account like great like yours like accounts like yours and other women that are just empowering and truthful and raw and honest and make me feel normal and I, that's what I've now turned my Instagram feed into. When I scroll on Instagram, I see things that make me happy. I th- see things that make me feel empowered. And I feel like that's what everyone's Instagram feed should be. Whatever makes you feel empowered and amazing, that's what you should follow. Not accounts that make you feel rubbish about yourself. Absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I mean, how did your body change after you gave birth? Like talk us through like the process so I had a like vaginal birth um it was very quick but luckily I didn't I didn't tear massively I had like a small tear I think um they were about to give me the snip but then George popped out so all was good there but I mean that part of it yes it was yes obviously that was painful and then I had the sort of six weeks afterwards where that that whole region is completely out of bounds but after that I was I was okay with that area and I was okay with sort of other than, you know, I'd, I'd obviously put on weight because I'd been pregnant. But other than that, I was I was kind of okay with that. The main postpartum sort of body changes were maybe not the ones that you can... You can't see them. They're not physical. Well, they are definitely physical changes, but you can't see them. More so to do with my contraception. So I had the contraceptive implant put back in after four weeks of George being born. And that came with a whole host of problems, sort of all these other hormones that just don't agree with me anymore. I used to have it and it was fine. And now they just didn't agree with me. I actually had it out yesterday. So um, I'm very happy about that because hopefully my body will just start to calibrate again. It was just all out of sync and all just didn't feel right for me. Loads of things postpartum that I don't think anyone's ever spoken about to me. All I ever see is, you know, yeah, your body looks different, but Actually, this, there was like five or six things. I was like, I've never heard of these things. And all of a sudden, I'm having to deal with them. And it's because I've had a baby. Like, how? And you don't know how to deal with them, right? No. Because nobody tells you. Like, you don't even get, like... Exactly. 
a booklet to say this might happen to you this is how you deal with it like yeah. you just don't I know and then I and especially at the moment you don't want to be calling up your GP constantly because they are busy <laughs> let's face it they're busy people and I I'm definitely that person that never unless I really have to I won't go to the GP I know not everyone's like that but I'm just that person that feels like they're I'm annoying them or maybe I'm made to feel like that I don't know I don't know but I did eventually go and I you know there I can list off a load of very not particularly pleasant things that I've had to deal with you know piles and like I said with the contraceptive implant I've been bleeding basically constantly since November it's been like intense so yeah there's there's been a lot um and I finally actually did something about it which I recommend anyone does what other things so piles contraceptive so this is so gross but (laughs) with piles I I had piles and then I got the cream and whatever for that and then it came back and came back and and it just got worse it got really painful and then they actually diagnosed me with IBS and that was a cause of it so and IBS I've never had IBS I've never had any problems with irritable bowel syndrome before but now I am intolerant to gluten and dairy which is fantastic because they're like my favorite things in the world but you know, you move, but I didn't know that. And I'd gone to the doctor so many times and it's actually a symptom of giving birth, which I have no, how is that even possible? Um, But I've had so many, since I spoke about that on Instagram, I've had so many messages saying that they've had the same problem. Either their IBS has gone away since having a baby Mm -hmm. or it's just randomly um, materialised. It's crazy, but big things like not having gluten and dairy in your diet is a big lifestyle change for someone that loves you know a cheese sandwich so yeah I mean I'm dairy intolerant anyway Sean but I can promise you this we are lucky to be alive in a world that is you know vegan is really popular yeah because you just go for the vegan alternatives and actually they're so good now that 100% I feel like I'm never missing out but that's really interesting you say about IBS after it just goes to show how much your body can change after birth and you just have to figure these things out I feel like a different person. My whole body feels so different. I feel like I'm only just... Probably six months postpartum is when I started to actually understand my body, my new body, because it was so completely different to my pre-pregnancy. Not even physically, like, what I look like, just internally. Like, I don't feel like it's me, but now I'm starting to understand the new me. Yeah, that's just really interesting. Again, like, you just don't hear these kind of things like I mean something that we don't speak about that often is like it almost yes you've just gave birth to a child but I feel like you give birth to yourself as well like you're reborn as a mum and then you've got to find your identity again and that's a big one I don't know if you've like also gone through that in terms of losing your identity finding your way through you know you say on your Instagram bio like you're a mama just finding your way through this so would you say that's something you've struggled with yeah I definitely would say I mean I'm young I'm 23 I'm turning 20 no no I'm not I'm 22 turning 23 next next week and oh I didn't know this yeah so I'm yeah I'm you know this time two years ago my life was very different to what it is now you know (laughs) I I I have a really good job. I love my job. I really do. Um, I'm a civil servant, work for the MOD, and I love my job. And I've worked in Westminster with politicians and things. I love that. I love it so much. And then now I am a... Well, I'm not a stay-at-home mum. I'm on maternity leave, but I feel like a stay-at-home mum. And I've got a baby, and my priorities have changed massively. 
and but then coming to terms with that as a, a an independent woman sort of thing is it's difficult, I think. I think my priorities have changed, but I still want to have it all. I want to have it all and I want to juggle the perfect life, but it's just not realistic. It really isn't. And the, the adjustment from having basically no responsibilities to the biggest responsibility ever is big. It's hard. It is hard. And like you mentioned about juggling it all, which is what all mums I feel like have to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you're, you know, you're going back to work. How long are you going to have off on maternity leave? So I started my maternity leave in September 2020. And then I'm going back in July 2021. So is that 10 months? Is that 10 months? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think some of it's maternity leave and some of it's like annual leave. But yeah, but in total t- holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about going back to work? Because obviously I saw one of your videos, which was really helpful, by the way, on childcare costs. And you've been like factoring it all in and what it would cost to, you know, go to a nursery versus a nanny or a childminder, which I was sitting there literally writing notes because it was so helpful. So if anyone's listening to this, they're from the UK and they want to know about kind of the the financial breakdown of childcare costs. Honestly, go to Home with Sean's YouTube channel and look for that video. Um, it's so informative. It's so helpful. You kind of break down the complex jargon that I actually find the government really doesn't make it that easy um, to understand when you're going, kind of going through this journey. So just talk to us about like your journey with that and how you're feeling about going back to work. So I'm really glad that you liked the video, by the way. I just, honestly, it took me about a day and a half to research. And I was researching things for my own purpose. I wasn't thinking about doing a video. And then once I looked through all my notes, I was like, I need to do a video on this because it is utterly insane how complicated they make it. And I swear they do it on purpose. Like They have to, because it is just crazy. To put you off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To claim anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And just understanding what you might be like eligible for in terms of tax breaks and whatever, if you are a working like couple and just watch the video if it's helpful and message me if you have any like questions or anything, because it is so, so complicated. But yeah, in terms of going back to work, I mean, I, I don't really want to go back to work yet, but financially I have to and that's the truth of it and I'm sure once I'm back it will be totally fine the only thing is I'll be working from home so I'll be working from exactly where I'm sat right now in my bedroom and George will be at a childminder we chose the childminder in the end which is only around the corner so he is really close but yeah it's just going to be different it's going to be very different and I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in in terms of because I still want to be putting out content on YouTube and Instagram and then working I won't be working full-time I'll be working four days a week I think um so that's something and the reason I'm doing four days a week is actually not because I want to have the day off although that will be lovely it's actually because if I put George into childcare for five days a week I'd be 20 pounds worse off a month working five days full-time and having him in five days of childcare than if I were to work four days, which is just crazy. Childcare is insanely expensive. And, uh, like, what I never realised... Insane. ...is how on earth do single parents or single mothers, single dads, whoever, afford this? How do they do it? I don't know, honestly. Uh, and and I have, to, I have to say, I probably... And I don't think I ever voiced this at all, but I probably had some sort of judgement... Because I want to work, and I, if someone doesn't want to work, I think, well, what, why? You know, why Why not? What are you doing all day? Kind of thing. Horrible things to say and horrible things to think, frankly. And now I understand it. If you're a single mum 
and you know you you if you wanted to work part-time or whatever ch- you you are not going to make ends meet with that because you have to put your baby into childcare so like it's just it's ridiculous it's crazy how expensive childcare is and i feel guilty for ever having those thoughts to be honest um so yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you really can't judge anything because you don't, until you experience something, you, I mean, you shouldn't judge anything anyway, but yeah. Yeah, one of my best friends, actually, she's got two children and she chose to be a stay-at-home mum for those exact reasons because financially it didn't make any sense for her to go back to her job. She, it actually made better sense for her to be a stay-at-home mum but I mean, she's now, now they're grown up and actually going to school, she can now actually go back to work. But for that kind of five years, she she didn't, she made that choice because financially she was like, what's the point? Like I'm literally working to pay for my it's, childcare. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's so illogical. And I would make the exact same decision if it were me in that position. And like you said, one, my best friend, um, she's only just hit her baby's, well, turning two on Saturday. And he has only just started going into childcare for two or th- three days a week, I think, because she's doing a degree. She started doing a degree, um, which I'm so proud of her for. She's doing her degree um, at home and obviously with a two-year-old lectures, you know, yeah, it doesn't work. So she started putting him into childcare and she, it's it's a financial struggle. It can't, it is, it really is. But she's doing it and she's doing it to better herself and her her life for her son. She's a single mum as well. So yeah, it it is hard. And having seen that, you know, her experience firsthand as well, it's just... I really, really feel for people that have to have to make these really tough decisions. And it makes me realise how lucky I am to have, you know, such a great maternity leave package and things like that. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. Um, so for that, I am really grateful. So what was the kind of journey for you on choosing a nursery versus a childminder? Like Matt and I are actually going through this process now because, I mean, if I was going back to my full-time job, which I'm not, you know, I have left that job and I'm now setting up my business um, in life coaching and doing this so you know fingers crossed it all works out (laughs) I'm sure it will but it's again financially you know I have to think about because I'm not necessarily earning uh, money at the moment everything I'm doing is is for free but with with a view to earn money but in order for me to be able to invest time in the business and actually go for it and do stuff I need time back I can't do it with my little one around and when I'm when he's around I want to be fully in it you know I don't want to be half there because I'm I'm doing emails while he's playing or something I don't want to do that so like what was the process with you because currently we're looking at nurseries and childminding and nannying like we're kind of looking at all options and what is the best option for us and what's more cost effective what advice would you give to someone going through that process and what was the experience for you so I think for us so for me actually personally I had a childminder growing up and I had a childminder from the age of four months old my mum was a single mum as well between she's now remarried with my stepdad who is my dad I always call him my dad he absolutely is my dad but they've been together since I was four but my mum went back to work when I was four months old and since then I've been in a childminder like setting throughout my entire childhood and that childminder is my mum's best friend now they always had like a professional relationship but then they turned into like 
best friends. She's like my auntie, like I call her my auntie Caroline. Um, and her daughter is my best friend that I've known since I was a baby. So I, I love the idea of having a childminder for George because of my personal experience. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to be everyone's experience, but for me, that's how close we were with my childminder. I I mean, I had the same childminder until I was like eight or nine, I think. So yeah, I mean, obviously George is not going to have this childminder for that long because we're going to move, but I like the idea of it at least, which I didn't realise childminders are cheaper. How is that? I always thought childminders would be more expensive because there's less kids you know, the quotas and all that kind of stuff. There, there are less children for them to look after. So I thought they would be more expensive. Um, but they've, they've got the same training that everyone in nurseries would have um, and all of that kind of thing. So that's, that's why we went for a childminder in the end. Um, but we did look into nurseries, like you said, as well. And I was weighing up the pros and cons of that. The nursery is slightly closer and, you know, there's really formal set sort of well I say really formal but they have like set activities for them to do each day and things like that um which actually I didn't realize that childminders have as well they all have the same sort of early years training and they they go through the same thing so after I did all of my research we decided to go with childminder probably for my own reasons but also because I heard about all of the training they do and and all of the experiences they can give the kids that they they look after as well but um yeah that was sort of my reasoning I guess for for choosing childminding for and George. where how did you choose your childminder so we went on a website called oh what is it called I think it's childcare.co.uk or something childcare. like that yeah, yeah. so yeah, basically it's it. like a directory isn't it for all mm-hmm. nurseries childminders nannies babysitters anything in your local area and I contacted a couple of childminders on there in the local area and if they had no spaces um because they're quite late in applying um because they go really quickly these spaces um they actually recommend it they all three of the people that I contacted recommended someone that hadn't actually gone up live on this channel yet the childcare.co.uk they hadn't um gone live on there because they just moved they're a military wife they've just moved back from cyprus um and they haven't set up their account yet or something um so they had loads of spaces obviously i can relate to her on a, on a completely like level a proper level and she actually also has a son called george so i thought <laughs> you're perfect um and we're gonna we're gonna go for her yeah so did you have that instant connection like did you have a gut feeling because I I keep getting told you'll just know when it's right you'll just know (laughs) so personally yes I did but I don't think that's a fair I don't know if you just know all the time um because that's Mm. like saying when you know you can have that instant connection when your baby's born I mean that doesn't happen Mm. I don't know no wow if it does happen but it didn't happen for me I, it happens to me every morning when I see George now, but it doesn't happen. It didn't happen to me right then. I was just like, I'm in so much pain. What is this baby? (laughs) You know, of course it's a magical moment, but that instant connection, not everyone gets that with everything. I mean, I didn't have an instant connection with Ash when we first met. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's reality all the time. Mm. But when it came to our trimander, I clicked with her. She was great with George, you know, and I, I know that I will feel comfortable knowing that she's looking after him. So I feel that is the main thing, isn't it? As long as you are comfortable yeah. with that thought, then then that's that's the right thing for you. Absolutely, because it's the most precious thing that you're handing over. Like it, it is literally like so hard to to think like you've got to hand and trust that person that you give your baby to. 
so yeah it's quite it's a big decision I, even thinking about it now it's make it's making me well up because we haven't done it yet yeah it's like all it's all in the future at some point this will happen but now I'm like oh my god actually we'll have to hand him over one day and oh yeah it's scary it is actually really scary and it's quite funny because I was speaking to someone about this and I and I think it's quite selfish of us to think oh I don't want to give my baby over to someone like I don't want to but at the same time you need to think about them and their development and their social skills and what they might learn and how they interact with other babies and you know like you said the early learning that actually maybe you can't give to your baby at home because I'm finding as an adult yeah as an adult and I don't know where to begin with you know I play with Leo but I don't know where to begin in terms of early learning (laughs) that's like put youtube on yeah i don't know any i know nothing (laughs) yeah exactly put some educational youtube i watch so many youtube videos how to help a baby's development and how to you know i don't know anything um and like you said they've got so much training that that they will they will learn so much more in that kind of setting than they're just sat in the living room with you watching baby sensory yeah exactly and um i was thinking about this as well like Leo is now at this age where he is needing a lot more um, stimulation, like a lot more, he wants to do more and he's got more energy and he wants to play more. And I guess we don't have that that amount of energy. It's like, there's only so much you can play with your baby without being like, oh my God, not again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I relate to that so much. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, I guess if anyone's struggling, it's probably to think about the benefits that your baby's going to get from, you know, all of this development and being around other people and the social skills, um, rather than thinking internally about how scared feel. Yeah. Yeah. How scared you are about handing your baby over. But equally, doesn't mean that, you know, you can't feel scared about doing that either because. It, yeah, it's a it's a big time, isn't it? It's a big time for the both of you. Something that you're amazing at is finances. Um, you do loads of kind of budgeting and finances for first time mums, which I love your YouTube videos. Like sometimes Matt goes, "Are you watching Sean again?" <laughs> because I've always like you know if I put YouTube on the TV, I do put yours on and just listen to your finance advice, which I find really helpful. Um, so for anyone kind of like listening what would be kind of your best finance tips for kind of first-time mums? I think firstly, get yourself a spreadsheet because spreadsheets are your friends. They are, <laughs> okay, whether whether it's a spreadsheet or whether it's a notepad, actually, like if you're not, I mean, no one loves spreadsheets. I mean, some people do, but spreadsheets are a bit intimidating I think sometimes because there's lots of formulas and things like although I do have a spreadsheet that I made a template for and it's on Etsy for like £2.50 I think so if you did want to check that out then you can but if you just want to do like a pen and paper notepad of your incomings and your outgoings and be really honest with yourself about what your outgoings are if you're having three takeaways a week put that on there you know like really what are your what are your outgoings and what are your incomings and if your incomings are less than your no hold on if your outgoings are more than your incomings there's a problem um so so I just really everyone should just know what their incomings and outgoings are that's just the staple 
of every single person's finances, mum or not, I think. Um, and I, I think when it comes to like mum tips or like on for, for finances, especially for first time mums, I think we're guilty of buying everything that we see, anything that we think is cute, anything that we think is going to make our baby a genius or save us time or make them sleep or make them eat <laughs> or make anything, you know we want it all because we don't know what we're doing let's face it and I am obviously one of those people as well I've spent money on things that are not essential at all but if you're on a budget and you want to save money if you're going to buy that thing really do your research and make sure it's something you want to invest in but really don't over don't overkill it because you just don't need these things half the time I would also say to buy second hand because most of the time those things are in good condition and if you're thinking about the big buys like a cot for example the cot that we've got is a mama's and papa's cot that would cost us 350 pounds but we bought it secondhand it had two chips in it and it cost us 50 pounds on facebook marketplace i mean so you these are corners i want to cut do you know what i mean and if it's in good condition then why not i think babies are really expensive especially when you're like buying everything at the beginning I was on a really strict budget of a thousand pounds I've got loads of videos on it of when I was like pregnant and like getting really excited about all these baby buys but I was really strict with myself that I'd only spend a thousand pounds on everything and I mean everything that we bought and a thousand pounds yeah a thousand pounds is a lot of money a lot especially if you were on the budget that I was on at the time so you know including the buggy like I said we bought a secondhand buggy and it was just like the whole shebang everything for a hundred pounds um on facebook marketplace you know we cut corners where we had to and george was fine and he had no idea everything was in you know good condition and everything they don't care they really don't so i just think we need to cut ourselves some slack if we were on a certain budget then we should stick to it and and obviously if you want to splurge in certain areas then totally fine but just choose that area and if you're if you're someone that's going to be using your buggy for example every single day and you don't have a car or whatever maybe that's the piece you invest in but if you for example drive everywhere maybe the car seat is what you invest in you know these things um but yeah that's really good advice honestly and definitely with facebook marketplace like we bought this whole three-piece collection that would have cost £1,400 if bought new and we bought it for 500 quid all of it together and we're talking the cot the wardrobe the changing table and they were beautiful honestly like you the wardrobe had one chip in it and the rest of it was fine like honestly people people buy things brand new and then they use them for six months or a year or whatever and then they want to get rid of it and yeah because the baby's outgrowing it or whatever so you know I just it just makes sense just buy second hand I mean and because a lot of these things are so bulky like buggies as an example like it's not something that you're going to store unless you've got a huge house where you've got loads of storage or a big loft you're not going to store these things so a lot of people do sell them on and you haven't used them for a very long time have you so that's really good advice really good advice what would you say your top five baby hacks would be Oh, this is a hard one. Um, I, to be fair, I feel like, <laughs> you know, anything that you come across that you think is a hack is probably, it, it is just something that's saving you time. I mean, for me, one of the things that I 
love is double layering the cot sheets. So what I mean is like having a mattress protector, then a cot sheet, and then another mattress protector, and then a cot sheet. The reason I say that is if there's an accident in the middle of the night, which happens, I mean, it happens less so now that George is a little bit older, but when he was younger, he used to come in out. I didn't know how to do nappies <laughs> up clearly, but he just, you know, there was leaks, let's just say. Um, and in the middle of the night, I could just take off those two layers and there'd be a fresh, like, bed ready for him. I could just pop him back down. No crying, no tantrums. It was just so much easier. Mm. Um, so I'd definitely say to do that. I feel like that, for me, is the thing that revolutionised my nights <laughs> the most, I would say. In terms of, like, getting out of the house, I think, basically, a big hack is just to, if you are struggling in a day, get outside. Get outside, basically. Just go out, have a walk, Get, go to the shop, go to the, you know, get a pint of milk from the shop or whatever, because you're going to feel better. If I don't leave the house for like a couple of days, I can feel it on my mental health. So just going out for that 10 minute walk, it massively helps me, but it also helps the baby. They get so distracted by all of the new scenery that they stop being whiny or crying or whatever it is. Not always, but let's face it, most of the time, if they're outside, they're a lot happier. It, I just think that's a, such an underrated hack, just a new like a new bit of scenery for them. It's just, yeah, it does the world of good. How many is that? Two. So I would I would say with getting out of the house, actually number three would probably be to just allow extra time to do everything. So if you've got, you know, half an hour, if you've got 15 minutes to leave the house, allow yourself 30 minutes. So you've got to be out by nine, start getting ready at 8.30, pack the bag, get, you know, all the extra socks and the nappies and all that kind of stuff, get it all packed and then you're ready to go. Because let's face it, as soon as you want to leave the house, baby's going to start crying or baby's going to need a poo or have spit up and, you know, just allow extra time for things and and cut yourself some slack and give yourself that leeway, I would say. Something that I, I would just say there, Sean, actually, something that's worked really well for me recently is timing the walk. So like when I know he's going to get up for, you know, from his nap, making sure like I've got all of his bag ready already, like have his bottle there, basically have everything prepared because the worst thing is when they're kicking off and yeah. you're trying to get out of the house and like, especially now where he's rolling and you can't, I can't just leave him. It just having it all like there ready to go that all you've got to do is literally like yeah. change your baby or like uh, to put their coat Pop on. Pop them down, yeah. ready to go. It's like a lifesaver, isn't it? Because then you're not like yeah. trying to get everything prepared and like you're going to lose your shit because all, <laughs> like all you've got is a baby screaming in the background and you're like, ah, I'm trying to just get ready to go out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I totally feel you there. I think that's such a good hack. Just to get yourself a bit prepared before they're up, 100%. Yeah, yeah. so if they're asleep, go and pack your bag. <laughs> 100% yeah and have a cup of tea obviously <laughs> yeah I think another thing that we another thing that we really like doing is batch cooking so just because when they're hungry or when you want to give them food to have them sat doing whatever they're doing and you cooking it's a bit especially if they're on the move um or they just don't like being restrained by a bouncer or whatever mm. it cause you know for George anyway he doesn't like being on his own just in his high chair whilst I'm doing something so I always batch cook if I make something I make loads of it and then I'll have it in the fridge or the freezer and then when it's lunchtime dinner time I'll just get that out whip it out and put it in front of him and it's ready whether that's um so if you're doing like baby led weaning you can do basically loads of roasted vegetables like that is your favorite thing you know or omelets or whatever you know 
those kind of like finger foods I tend to just batch cook loads of them pop them in the fridge or freezer um, and then like the night before get them out or whatever and then if it's like more purees or spoon fed that's easy because you can just make a big batch of you know pasta and then waz it up or something risotto or if it's just purees then you can you can just whiz that all up and then put it in those little silicone weaning trays I think they're really good they're such a good invention and then each each little portion is one portion so you don't have to think about that which I just think is perfect yeah yeah how have you found the weaning journey actually because I mean I was totally overwhelmed at the beginning (laughs) it's so overwhelming isn't it at the beginning especially I had absolutely no idea what I was doing therefore I was like I need to buy everything because otherwise I'm awful and it's never going to work. In actual fact, you need, you literally need nothing. You don't even need a bib if you don't want to. I mean, those little catchy bibs, silicone catchy bib things are really good if you just don't want to change them about four times a day. But <laughs> you don't need a lot of kit. You really don't need a lot of kit, to be honest, for weaning, um, which I thought you did. I always thought you had to have all this stuff, loads of recipe books and loads of, you know, you really don't need anything that specialized but when it comes to like what you actually give them there's there's just so much information out there that it is really overwhelming I think um I've got a really good for the first initial foods I've got a really good cookbook and I think it's the Ella's Kitchen it's like the purple cover and it's like Ella's Kitchen first tastes or something first foods or something like that and it is just so simple and easy to understand and doesn't try and overwhelm you with all these fancy dancy things it is just straightforward stuff what they need sort of there's a little like time as in when they're seven months old this is what they should be doing eight months old obviously it's all a guideline you can kind of do what you want but that's the thing I think is everything you see in here is a guideline and whatever you want to do with your baby and whatever your baby needs or is they they kind of lead you don't they they kind of lead you with what they need then you just do that and go with it and it's really not that much you like think about you're you're teaching a human to eat food that surely shouldn't be that complicated, right? I mean, we make it so complicated, but they are going to eat food eventually. It will, it will work. Whatever you're doing will work eventually. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves because there's a, like, there's a certain way of cutting things or a certain way of doing things. And you're like, oh, like I was Googling this morning, like how to chop strawberries. Yeah. Like, do I chop them? Do I give them to them whole? Do I like it gets really yeah. like overwhelming just those small things or like because obviously they could be a choking hazard. I think that's where it comes from. It's actually the fear. Oh yeah. And that is petrifying. It absolutely yeah. is. I th- I think I haven't thought about that in a very long time because I feel a lot more comfortable in it. But at the beginning I was like I, I never I didn't do any baby led weaning stuff because I was petrified of that. I just I hated the idea. Um you know and they're like you said there's special ways of cutting grapes and and all these things and it's just it is a it is a bit scary because you keep hearing that word choking and you're like oh my god what would I do um there are loads of really good courses you can do and I think every mum should do them of just like a baby first aid course they're all free um I think you can get them on your um, you know through your GP or your health visitor whoever um and I think they're amazing I think just for your peace of mind you're probably never going to need it but just just to make you feel a bit more comfortable with it I think there's also a really good video St John's Ambulance do one on YouTube that's really like just informative of what to do if your baby's choking I just find that one really easy to digest and actually I that 
video is in my head if it were to ever happen. So, you know, like I'm a visual learner. So, so I need to see things like actually happening. It's like someone needs to show me cutting strawberries or someone needs to show me cutting. Yeah. So I don't know about you. This is why I love YouTube because yeah. those videos, yeah. Lo YouTube is so good for those kind yeah. of videos because you do just, you, you, you really like... I, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm a visual learner as well, and I would I would definitely say once I've seen someone do something, I can imagine myself yeah. doing it, and it just it just helps. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say because I've got the Ella's um, kitchen book. Actually, you because you recommended it, I was like that one looks great. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but because I wanted to do a bit of both of like baby led weaning and puree. Obviously, it focuses on puree, doesn't it, in the, the first, yeah. like, couple of months. Which is what I was doing at the beginning, I would yeah. say. Yeah. So, with the baby-led stuff, I was like, okay, well, I was getting so overwhelmed, didn't know where to start. And actually, YouTube was a great place to start because I literally was just YouTubing things like how to cut baby for baby led weaning you know how to cut food and then I would just watch it and then it would be in my mind so that I wish I just knew that from the beginning rather than it took me kind of like three weeks to work that out <laughs> I think honestly you just at the beginning you I I especially was just I was so stressy about the whole thing and then now I, I that seems like a distant memory now because I feel a bit I just feel confident with it now um I mean we've never had any sort of issues with it George is fairly easy I mean not always if he's in a bad mood he's like get that away from me that's disgusting <laughs> mum but some most of the time he's quite happy to just sort of munch a lot he loves George will not let me spoon feed him anymore really? no way wow no it, he, he tries to take the spoon away from me and then he just flings it onto the wall it's just it's just not a vibe so yeah we tend to go for just pop a load of stuff on his tray for him and he can pick up what he wants and he always goes for the green thing which I'm very proud of him for oh, <laughs> if it's broccoli really he'll good. go for it <laughs> <laughs> good boy <laughs> it's really funny I gave Leo eggs uh, the other day he likes all other forms of egg but I cut it into quarters again YouTubed it and uh, oh my goodness he did not like the texture he kicked off oh, he really? was what, like, just like a boiled egg yeah, hated it he was, oh, isn't wow. it just amazing how they just so funny have this idea of what they do and don't like at this stage I'm like how do you even know yeah. that you don't like that <laughs> he didn't I think also yeah with with George if he's like kicked off one day with a certain type of food I'll try and not be like oh you hate this food yeah. I'll try and give it to him again when he's in a better mood because mm. it might have just been whatever I put yeah. in front of him that day he would have been like nah but then there are definitely trends like tuna. He's a bit on the fence. We, like, we, I've given it to him. I mean, it is a very strong flavour. So I, I yeah. you know, I can't, that's fair. And I don't like tuna, but I don't want to push what I don't like onto him. So I yeah. try and like vary what he, what he get. But tuna he hates. Salmon he likes. He's a posh boy. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Sean, it's been lovely, lovely to speak to you. There is one question that I always ask my guests at the end of every interview. Um, which is how have you turned your pain into purpose? I would definitely say when it comes to sort of pain, I would say the loneliness of being a first time mum in any scenario, but especially in the pandemic was so hard. And I do not know what I would have done without social media, basically being my outlet for sharing my experiences, connecting with new mums, making YouTube videos. I've been able to take my experiences and put them online and if people want to watch them and find them relatable then amazing but connecting with people in the comment sections and in dms and 
I feel like I've got you know 20,000 friends or something ridiculous it's it's insane so for me that's that's how I would say I've turned my pain into purpose yeah that's really nice and actually I would say the same in terms of you know that social media can be seen really negatively but actually it can be one of the most positive experiences if used in the right way and like you said earlier in the podcast about you know choosing what you consume really you know making sure that you're scrolling and seeing what you want to see rather than scrolling and seeing things that are going to make you feel like shit yeah so 100% I feel like that was really really good advice um where can people find you Sean uh, so I'm on Instagram at home with Sean and also on YouTube at home with Sean as well but yeah I might DMs are always open if you're ever feeling like you just need a chat with someone then hit me up amazing thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me bye (laughs) bye (laughs) this is the unfiltered life podcast with charlotte jonesy thank you so much for listening to this episode if you loved it please subscribe download and leave me a review if you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories and don't forget to tag me so that I can see it. If you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs then please head to www.charlottejonesy.com for more information. Hope to speak with you soon if not I will see you in next week's episode. Lots of love. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.